Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion, primarily for men. This is podcast number 292, hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, boom! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas. South the side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, And that is where we are. You know, we are not pastors, but we are regular guys and each on our own spiritual journey, meeting daily challenges just like you. And that's why we're here We're having a Christian discussion for men, and unlike others, we aren't taking any church answers, and we're glad that you've joined us. You know, this podcast has been called Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny, so we're so glad that you've checked us out. Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchAnswers.com, so please rate our podcast, leave a review, and of course, without your support. This wouldn't be possible. At this time, I'm going to jump right in and uh, introduce our panel. He is a former world-class policy writer. He is a current professional gambler. He is the show producer. He is the awesome Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, Steve. Steve. And he is a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. How are you? And he is absent, or certainly running a little bit late. He is an industrial strength teacher, pretty much talent development, a trainer, Robert Koshu. Hi, Robert, not here. And my name is Bill Cox, and I'm basically a uh, basically a salesman, indie film producer, and uh, the host of this. We are in a study, and it is limping with god it's written by chad bird it is um about jacob a study about jacob and it is excellent and so with that we're going to go ahead and uh, just jump right in i'm going to go ahead and uh, start with our first reading uh this is genesis 29 1 through 30 then jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherd would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. He said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they answered. Then Jacob asked them, Is he well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. 
Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. If Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When the morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. How did he not know it was Leah? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a thought on that. Um, because, actually, I was, uh, it's I, was at, I was at the poker tables this weekend. Oh, nice! <laughs> and... Um, and but I was stay where I where I ended up staying was with a at a camper, um, and out there in in rural Louisiana near Oberlin, Louisiana, if you want to mm -hmm. look it up on the map, uh, mm -hmm. and and they've got the, the it was an Airbnb and he had a he had a uh, trailer uh, trailer camper on his property. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you out there, it is and over this weekend it was pitch black dark. Yeah, yeah. Dark. No if light you, pollution. If you didn't have, if you didn't have a torch in somebody's face, you would know. So it, I, I assume he pretty much stuck a bridal veil on her, and you know it's all, I, you know, all blushing bride. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, I, I think once once it gets dark in, you know, in obviously an era where there was no artificial light, 
Yeah. Uh, you uh, you could probably pull this off, and you know well, it was probably, probably was drink. drinking. Yes. And I think that's the reason. And, you know, oh, oh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but are, are you are you Rachel? I'm, yeah. I'm Rachel. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah. That I'm, yeah. It's almost fair play because he did the same thing to Esau <laughs> too. But um, but uh, you know Isaac when he goes, are you are you Esau? Oh uh, yeah yeah. As a matter of fact, I am Esau. No, you're not. But the thing about it is these were sisters, and you got to understand, I mean, he had been there working for seven years, so they knew him. And so, and he was a part of the family, and and he was a trusted member, I mean, as you can tell, um, one, of, one of the hierarchy. And, and, I, and I'm absolutely certain that uh, Laban needed to get Leah married off first, and and the thing about it, and you think about it, was he really prepared to lose Jacob and his two daughters at the same time? It's it's going to take a little a little time to separate because he'd been there seven years and wanted a daughter, so there was going to be that dowry. And so and so you think about it. I mean. It, the seven years to me doesn't seem unreasonable. I mean, although Mike and I, we are both, it is a, it, it, you, it is a long time, but you think about it as though it's a partnership, that he's earning the partnership with his seven years, but he's taken the daughters and he's going to take his cut when he eventually leaves. So honestly, I don't think the seven years is too extravagant. Well, he gets. I, I don't think so either. I think I think Laban. I think Laban pulls a fast one on him. Like you said, it's turnabout. is may be fair it, play. It's fair for play him, um, for him because he kind of did the same thing. I mean, there he is working seven years, uh, and you know what a what a surprise or shock. And and Laban seems to be. Well, you know, we can we can we can. At least he didn't have to work another seven years. He gets, you know, has to, it's basically, Laban seems to be doing this as a matter of convenience, well, checking this, a box. This, this is a material but, breach of contract. Yes. Okay, period, number one. Oh, okay. okay right, Jacob uh, should have said, yes, Jacob should have said, I'm not working another seven years for her. I worked for my first seven years for her, and you snuck in the other one. I don't owe you anything for the okay. first one. But here's he, the thing. There's no judges around there, no courts mm-hmm. he can take it to, right? He's living on Laban's property. He's in his castle, right? So, so he's thinking to himself, do I buck this or do I go along with and, it? And we got to remember Brian, the other thing, which he's, he's still on the run. That That is exactly what I was going to bring up. Here he's hiding out. And Laban is getting, giving him general manager position, and you Over get a sheep. hey man, a hey that's sheep. hey that's wealth. That yeah. back in the back in the day, that's wealth, and that's how they talk about him. But he works seven years. He gets the spare wife first, but then immediately Laban gives him Rachel. He gets Rachel yeah, pretty much immediately. And so, and, and think about it, he's still on the run. He went from no wives, basically overnight, to two wives. 
and and it's but it's going to create issues yeah. for him. But I think also though, but but I don't know. Maybe maybe Jacob was you know my seven years are done. I'm going to be my own. I'm going to. It's gonna my 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 wealth is gonna be spun off from Laban, and again, but Laban I think knows he has Jacob where he wants him. Jacob yeah. really can't go home yet. He's yeah. still worried about we, we covered the, we still worried okay. about that, the, when we when he left. You when he left, point. Esau was in a murderous rage, and said, you know, the moment we moment Isaac dies, you're next. Right. Right. Okay, my question to you. Yeah. I don't think he would have told Laban that. He's, but he's got it in his mind, well, right, I, is what you're saying, I, right? Because if he told Laban that, Laban wouldn't trust him with anything. Oh. He wouldn't trust him with the flocks. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't trust him with his daughters. He says, I cheated my brother, and so he's angry and ready to kill me. Laban would not have put well, him well, in a jail posi position. But, with but I, I thought about that. To, it seems to indicate that when they, when they all met, that they caught up. And my guess is that if he did, he spun it in a way that didn't exactly. make him. If he did that, tell him, you know, it was well, Esau's fault. Isaac gave me, Isaac gave me. Yeah, I'm Esau sure. got mad. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. He's, he's a master of deception. Yeah. I, that's a very good point, Steve. But I think that uh, you've, you've got to imagine, though, here he is. He ran, he, he fleed to Laban. He fleed there. He worked for seven years, got comfortable, probably knows everybody. He's, he's one of the chosen people, okay? He's in charge, okay? Why would you be in any hurry to go home? Because well, I he's, would still, not. Well, he's still kind of a serf. I would say he's still, he's still a subsidiary. He's still part of Laban's household. He's still working for Laban. Maybe he's got more privileges. Maybe he's a he, he's an underboss. Let's put it that yeah, way. Right, right. <laughs> but he's not. You know, he hasn't. As they say, he hasn't got his own family yet. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah, and and yeah. so and he's and he's kind of and I don't know how that went down. More, seven more years, and we'll work it out. Um, but I do want to get to I do want to get to this whole household situation now that this yeah. marriage yeah. set up. Yeah. yeah. Because to, to kind of to wind things back, that that we're doing a chunk here. It, we're, we're dealing with probably the two things that men care about the most and devote their most time and energy to: mm -hmm. uh, family and career. And we look around the church and we see a lot of men like that. And uh, sometimes we don't know what's going on behind those doors, even those nice suburban doors. I, I, I kind of noted. I would in, say that we never yeah, know what goes on in, behind in those my doors. My notes, I noted. I wonder if there was some farmhand or shepherd out on, you know, out working for Laban and who, who would look look at the two wives and apparently Rachel's a babe. Yeah, <laughs> Rachel was hot. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, it pretty much, I think um, Robert put it a couple of weeks ago. She was smoking hot. It's kind of in there. Right, um, right. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, and sees all the wealth. He's got all the, all the, all the livestock. And he's probably sitting out there and goes, I wish I were Jacob. I wish I had his life. And then we find out that his life really isn't that great, that uh, he's dealing with a situation where he doesn't really love Leah, and that's got to rub off. Mm -hmm. um, so, mm -hmm. and oh, it's got to be Leia obvious, gets, yeah. Leah gets jealous. Um, 
But then Leia's producing all the kids. Rachel can't produce kids. This is stuff we, we, we're, we're going to skip over in, from reading, but it's all in there. And the suns start to come. Um, right. And, and again, we see all these alliances starting to, to form. But... Um, so well, this is different, though, for men to talk about. It's yeah. a great thing that we're taking a, a... I have sisters. I have four sisters. And I know how they have alliances that they make with themselves. And I have no doubt that that the sisters have a certain relationship. And Leah knows that Rachel's the babe of the two. I mean, there's no question no about question. that. That's not a secret. But then again, with each ensuing son that Leah bears for Jacob just proves her wealth again and again. So as she matures, she increases her value as opposed with Rachel, who can only have one. So the, the, the dynamic of the relationship of the women is always going to be as sisters and is always going to have a little bit of friction in there, but, but it's going to be like two different muscles on one person's body. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but you can't really separate them because of the racial relationship they have because they're because they're sisters but obviously when she was young rachel was the more valuable one and then but then as they get older you know leah closes the gap but they're they're always going to have that little bit of competition because because they're sisters sisters. yeah Yeah. and but but and but now charles uh, chadbird when when he's talking about this he actually he actually relates it to the to, to modern times. To I, I, and maybe it's maybe this has all been true throughout the generations. Uh, the he calls it the chocolate cake turns to vegetables. The the anticipation, all those and seven years of anticipation um, of romance, of you know flirting. Of, we can we can, you can write your own stories. You know little looks, glances. Obviously, this can't be consummated because this is you know. 1500 BC, and it's a it's a traditional family. So so there's just a lot of anticipation for this long time. How soon, Bill? How how soon? How soon does the bloom come off the rose here? And reality re- reads its head, and maybe for both Jacob and Rachel, suddenly have their expectations blown out of the water as to what this was all. Well, I can tell you this: I dated my wife for seven years before oh. I got before I got married. So there we go. Jacob Cox here. Let's talk about something real quick. Steve mm-hmm. brought up something that the author presents to us in a co- very comical way. Mm-hmm. Okay, we look at Jacob and we look back, according to our stories in Sunday school, and according to many people represent to us, he is the father of Israel. He is wealthy, his people, his descendants will, will enumerate the earth, and his descendant, ultimate descendant is Jesus Christ through his bloodline. And God promises to Abraham. Now, the author talks about getting married, and, G, and, and just what Steve said, he says, Jacob can't wait to marry Rachel. That's his chocolate cake or chocolate pudding, right? The other cousins. He says, unfortunately, he's got to go through vegetables to get to that first. Right. And, 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 and there's two ways he alludes to that. First of all, 
the problems he runs into before he marries Rachel, which is marrying Leah. He calls that a vegetable because that wasn't a desire that Jacob had. But also then he talks about later, which you guys had alluded to, after you're married a while, the rose fades. Okay, or what you found to be so beautiful and exciting about the first part of your marriage with your wife, uh, and who was just apple of your eye when you met her, may change into a more faded rose. And the author also refers that as the vegetables of marriage. Okay, the, 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 again, the, the dessert being the actual love making and everything when you first meet, when you first marry, and then the vegetables when you face reality in your marriage, right? And you have to grow and you have to work and you have to deal with kids and you have to keep the house repaired to make your wife happy. <laughs> but anyway, Bill, I know you're, you want to say Man, something. Man, hey, no question about that. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back, everybody. We are studying in Limping with God. It's a book uh, by Chad Bird, outstanding. It's the study of Jacob. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the second reading. This is Genesis 30, 25 through 34. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, If I found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, Name your wages and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, You know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been but now when may I do something for my own household what shall I give you he asked don't give me anything Jacob replied but if you will do this one thing for me I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep every dark-colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted, or any lamb that is not dark-colored, 
will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them and all the dark colored lamps, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Material breach of contract again. <laughs> well, here's the way. This is, this is kind of a complicated section, so I kind of... You, you read it very well, Bill. Yeah. So, so, so you, essentially what... what uh, Laban was a Laban, scumbag. Yeah, yeah. Laban, Laban, Jacob asked for the speckled uh, sheep and special speckled goats, essentially, and the black sheep. Laban said sure, and then uh, took them all away. And so I'm not sure what exactly Jacob got left with, but I think he got burned badly. He got he got screwed. Well, you think about it. The, uh, well, this so was a. Yeah. I mean, let, let's just put the agriculture spin on it first for a second. Mm-hmm. That was an easy way for him to tell if those were stolen mm-hmm. or if those were legitimate lamb or goats or sheep. And the reason why is because one was a crossbred and one was a purebred, okay? And you separate them out. Typically, and I don't know this for a fact because we weren't goat farmers, we were pig farmers. But if you're going to give any kind of wages to anybody, you would give them the crossbreds. You would keep the purebreds because the purebreds are the higher value. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's why they would they would separate them. But then, and you can tell, I swear, you can tell from is is. Depending on how good your eyesight is, 50 feet, every bit of that, you can tell the difference between a purebred and a crossbred. It's just the way it is. So um, so that was a real good way that he thought of, of splitting it up. It's just that Laban was a scumbag. <laughs> Gave and, it to his sons. Yeah, and, and, and just, just in case, folks, you're not familiar with the story, at this time, uh, when, when Bill read after Rachel gave birth Joseph... Jacob has worked 14 years, and yes, now Rachel is. It's he time. Has, he has both Leah and Rachel in his hand. He's had 11 sons, right? 11 and sons. one daughter. Am I yeah. One daughter. One daughter will be very important, but yes. yes. 11 and sons, and, and the only son who has not appeared yet is Benjamin. Right. But Joseph right. has right. appeared, who will, of course, so, be so, yes, so, so, yeah. So he has two other wives, but we call them concubines yes. because they aren't officially married to him. Right. The daughters, the uh, pardon me, the servants of of uh, both both Leah and Rachel right. both uh, sleep with, with uh, Jacob. So he has two more. And more than likely, they were a lot younger right. than Leah and Rachel. And, and in fact, one of them is so good looking that their firstborn, Reuben, sleeps with her later. Bill, I think... <laughs> That's coming down the road, folks. Hey, hey, whatever. But But here's the here. I'm going to want to go back to the livestock and why Laban is a scumbag is because he stole them. Well, (laughs) actually, all he did he 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 didn't steal them. He just hit them momentarily because unless you plan on painting them, they're going to look striped, spotted, and have dark faces. So you're, you're, they're going to appear back in the crowd, in the flock, sooner or later. So he'll be able to say, listen, 
you made a deal with me and there they are there's the speckled goats come on now those are mine yeah you, you know what i'm saying so he deceived him in one way but he also really disrespected him no question in, in, yeah. in, in another way yeah yeah. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say that now. One part of the story, I think, is how to deal with a bad work situation, um, and mm -hmm. that men deal with all the time. Certainly, at some point in everyone's life, they've dealt with a boss like Laban, one way or another. Either dishonest, or they're they're old. They're they're always they're they're promising things and not delivering. Uh, they're uh, they're. Um, there and 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 what what we find out here is that God is still looking out for Jacob. Jacob is kind of a told a little bit backwards. Jacob pulls some, let's say, Book of Genesis type genetics experiments with with uh, putting the the sheep in the shade so they get so 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 while they're mating in with other sheep while they're breeding with other sheep. Their, their shadows of the speckles of the trees are falling on them, therefore the offspring is speckled. It's kind of complicated, but we find out in, in the next chapter that this is coming under God's instructions. Mm -hmm. um, it, it sounds a little shifty, right. but you know, it's, he's, he's, and, and, and what begins to happen here is that, well, that Jacob's wealth, in spite of Laban's intentions, begins to grow, and for Laban, though, we begin to hear hints that things are not going as well. As nonetheless, where 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 I want to stay with this for a minute is that is that um, Bird calls this a quote fruitful winter for for Jacob in that he's not very happy, um, but he's going to learn something out of this. He's going if if to a degree where he, he has to go through it. So it's fruitful, but it's a pretty crummy experience. And ultimately find out, really, God's going to help him get out of it. I'd like to contrast okay. two mm -hmm. crappy experiences that I had um, that are really similar to this. One crappy experience, uh, I had a boss. I'll say his name was Mike because it was uh, Mike. Mike uh, was a thief, and he was a he was one of these guys that if there was anything for free then it's definitely for me and we had a bonus program from a manufacturer and he was bragging about how he was cheating on his redemption coupons and you know what every person did except me just because I, I i have i have enough stuff i don't i don't want anything more okay and that taught me something you don't have to teach people how to break rules <laughs> they will if if you show them the way they will create doors to make break rules i had another crappy uh job where the boss wanted to make me to uh uh, work seven days a week and I decided no I'm not going to and I gave him my two-week notice right then I stood up for myself and yet I came to my Sunday school class and one of the guys go hey you want to sell computers 
because I was selling tires and I was a manager of a Firestone. I said, sure, I will. So I stood up and I did the right thing. Basically, in both cases, I felt crappy on one respect because everybody was stealing around me and I wasn't going to steal. But I stayed at that job, which is kind of stupid, but I did anyway. And then the other one, I had no idea I was going to quit. But then that guy just just pushed my button, and I hit the eject switch. And, and I maybe it was God or maybe it was moral, whatever. But I'm telling you what, these two stories, I, I really like when I made the right choice and followed what I thought God wanted me to do, whereas I felt crappy about the winner, fruitful winner. I went through an experience similar to me, uh, like Jacob. At work, uh, I, I started with the city of Houston as a prosecutor in, in 1992, 94, 94, I guess. And... Um, after a year or two, I was given a, 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 a case that was in the newspaper, a, a particular Harvard attorney. Uh, now, this sounds silly, but he was very serious about this. He refused to cut his grass, and he lived in Sharpstown. And he was on the front page of the paper. He refused to cut his grass. He says, it's a health, health thing. I don't need to water my ground. It's very good for it. And I went to Harvard, and I know what the heck I'm talking about. I'm in a, a heart of coral too. So they gave me the case. And, and um, I, I took him to trial and, and, and made him so angry, he started yelling. And the jury started yelling at him in the, in the court. He, he did, I got him mad. I got him angry. And that's what you do with a person. You ask him enough questions. And, 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 uh, and I won the case. I got the maximum fine at that time. And he appealed it to the Court of Criminal Appeals, and he lost it. Uh, and, and, and I was in the criminal law division of the city of Houston, and there, the city attorney is over, over all the attorneys, there's about 100 of them, and then he has two senior assistant attorneys. And, and they asked me to come over to the defense section in the civil and defend the city in civil, and I, I really wanted to try more trials. This is after about four years. I'd been promoted twice in, in four years' time, and I was up for a third promotion, and she absolutely refused to give it to me. One of the two senior assistants says, you're not coming over here, you're not going to get it. I says, I'll come over there, but I'll, I'll go to a different section. But I said, I really want to try a lot more trials. I'd probably tried 100 at that time. And I went all the, all the way to go ahead and try it, like over 300. But, but at that point, I didn't want to go. And so she blacklisted me for the next eight years. I did not get the promotion for eight years. And then I got a new boss, the chief prosecutor, and he fought for me. The, the Lord stepped in at that time. And I've shared you all how the, the second guy was obnoxious and, and, and very arrogant. And, and I told the Lord, I said, you know, you can put me in his place if you want. And, and this new chief prosecutor did it. The Lord worked through him, and he went to the to the senior assistant um, uh, attorney and says, make him a senior. He's good, he works hard, he's early, and I need him to be that because he's running the office. And, and, and so I felt like Jacob here, which uh, we haven't seen that yet with Jacob, right? We're seeing him in the midst of, list of the, uh, the battle where he's blacklisted. Laban has taken his sheep that he promised to give him, and Jacob is going, well, the Lord did come to me in a dream, and he told me to do this, and these sheep will come over and become speckled or blemished, which is what would become 
Jacob's property, right? Mm -hmm. And he does that. Jacob sees all these monochromic sheep, which are pedigree, whatever you want to call them, change colors or get speckled and get striped, and they become his. But during that time, and, and Steve, you said it's it's the winner of a life. Whenever you're you're learning, the the author uh, many times, you and I and everyone else, especially Mike, we hear that the autumn of our life and the winter of our life is our la our older days when we're senior citizens. But in this case, the the author uses what the winter, the faith fruitful winter. And he refers to that when we go through a very difficult time, when we're learning, when we're young people, possibly new, newlyweds, or we're, we're having to deal with issues in our life, whether we lose our job, uh, whether we have to maintain our family, whatever. But anyway, I'll, I'll go back to you, Steve. But anyway, I, I just want to throw that out. I, I went through that time when I felt like, like, Lord, are you still here? Are you still here? And I didn't see anything. All of a sudden, boom! Just like that, it happened. Well, I, I, I've run into these these games that that we see Laban play with with the the one the one instance I, I've got as as an <coughs> is is when I was working when I was working in pub when I was when I was an editor I was basically editorial director of a couple of pu publications mm -hmm. um, and my bonus was tied to sales and my bonus was was, was apparently at, at two tiers the bonus was tied to sales growth you know the make hitting goal and mm -hmm. and containing costs and so we that we had a stupendous year this was back before the dot-com bust um, we were doing well we, we hit our pub my publication hit about 140% of plan. Wow. And like mm -hmm. under that, I would get, under those terms, I would get an, a fairly strong bonus. Mm. Um, and when, you know, all the, you know, Saturday began to come, you know, you open pay envelope, I got no bonus. And I said, well, what's this all about? We were 140% over. Mm. I, you know, we, I'm mm -hmm. supposed to get a like 20%. The, the, the boss says, oh, well, you were 15% over your costs, and so we're cutting that. And I kind of said, the only reason we were 15% over costs because we had to produce more pages to accommodate the advertising my people were bringing in. Sure. And he goes, yeah, but you know, it, it was the old, it's corporate, whatever, whatever, and come on. And, and basically, basically um, my, he, this was the boss of us, my boss said, Steve, that's the way they run around here. And it, I know, he basically said, I know, happened to me too. I mean, and, and that kind of nonsense is, you know, what put me off. And, and unfortunately, I bet this is the rule. This is the culture out there. This is what these, you know, these the, at people at this level, like Laban, do. Um, basically to protect their own income. They... You know, I feel a lot like when when I was in middle management, even upper management, and which is why I ultimately left that life to head for the gig economy way before there was such a thing as a gig economy, was that I, like Jacob, got tired of being the guy making other people rich. Um, uh, and, you know, doing doing the work, doing the idea work, and basically having people basically who do nothing but manage and push paper and, and do spreadsheets basically collect the, the result. 
Um, and so that's, that's, now that's where we're getting to in this story with Jacob. But I understand that's a fruitful winter. You gotta go, you gotta learn that. Mm-hmm. Very few, I, I think every man goes through that. I would so agree. one way or yes. another, oh, and, 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 and comes to certain conclusions. Um, and I guess as a Christian, you gotta decide, how far do you wanna go into that environment? And how far do you want to, you know, how, how much do you want to keep a distance, even, even if it costs you money or prestige or whatever? Um, they, and those are tough decisions. And, and finally, I, what's great about this story, after your break, it all comes to a head with Jacob and Laban. What did, what did you do? Real quick. Oh, I, well, did, I quit that job. Did you job. stay? Oh, you quit, quit it. Okay, that's what I was curious. What I quit oh, that no. job, and, but, but that was a, in my younger days. Actually, I would repeat the same thing, but it would, wouldn't work out as well. I learned a lot. Okay. Um, right. So I will be, and I'll, I'll, I'll pick up that a bit and talk no, no, okay. about what happens with, with Laban. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors, pastors and church, church leaders. leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers. This time I'm going to go ahead and... uh, Read the climax of uh, this particular lesson, and this is Genesis 31, 17 through 55. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padam Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban and Aramean by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled, taking his relatives with him. He pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream that night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father said to me, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's household. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? He asked Laban. How have I wronged you? Hunt me down? I have been with you for 20 years now. 
your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flock. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself, and you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime, and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Laban answered Jacob, The women are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine or about the children that they have borne? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I. Let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone, set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they took stones, piled them in a heap, and ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jigar Sedutha, and Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is witness between you and me today. That is why it's called Galid. It was also called Mizpah. Because he said, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters or if you take any wives beside my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, here is this heap. Here is the pillar I have set up between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you, that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of our their, their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father Isaac, He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. You see that? He says, he says, Jacob said it very properly. I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah, he says, he says, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had not been with him, you would have surely sent me away empty and hampted. Laban himself says, these women are my daughters, the children are my children, and all the flocks you have with you right now are my flocks. He still does not attribute them to the work that Jacob did and the contract and agreement he made with Jacob. I'm well, sorry. That's, I, no, no, that's an important point because it... it not everything neatly resolves itself here, but no, I'll, I'll, I'll no. give you, this is where I was going. Jacob, Jacob reverts to some old ways here. He does something very passive-aggressive. He simply leaves in the middle of the night, uh, packs everything up, or in this case, leaves while Laban is away. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't sit down and have a true con- 
confrontation or true communication, he just decides to leave. Maybe we can't blame him for that, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, going to, I'm not going to be too harsh because that's exactly what I've done a couple of times. First time it worked. First time I got a job pretty quickly. That's what the instance I was telling you. Yeah. I did not say yeah. quit over that particular instance of the bonus, but it was things that added up to that. Um, but I, I did that a second time, and it was pretty much a disaster. It, 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 it created some marital issues. Um, it, was a, it was dumb. Um, but here, at least we get a, a final settling of accounts. Um, where, where, but it takes Laban to go after, after Jacob. And finally, Jacob speaks his mind. And we, didn't, we, we left a, a part out we may want to get talked to in a minute. But yeah, there's still, here's, here's I think, what, what, what we, the male men lesson in this. This really shows how maybe sometimes the only way you can resolve a conflict and even in those those days of the old testament it could have easily led to violence in fact it's god himself who talks to laban and say i'm going to need you to be the cool head here um because jacob goes off on him and um but laban could have you know, how dare you run away and take all this? Because and, and basically it could have come to blows. Instead, I don't want to say something as cliched, they agree to disagree, but they do come to terms. Even though Laban seems to be not ready to admit <laughs> that, that, you know, his, his daughters are now Jacob's right, wives, right. Which, which would be recognized in that culture as a, as a property transfer. That's correct. Don't yeah. get on my yeah. case. We're talking... 1500 BC here. Um, likewise <laughs> with the livestock. Um, and yeah. so, so he's not quite saying you're right, Jacob. Jacob has spoken his piece, and basically they say, okay, let's simply agree to stay on each side of the, of line, the land yeah, line. Yeah. And and <clears throat> they and and that's that's to be there. There's something there to learn about how to deal with people you don't get along with and probably won't ever get along with. You do not have to eliminate them. I, abs I absolutely agree. And as I've shared before, uh, one of the sins that, that I have a problem is, is, is anger. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I, I like to do stuff. I like to get stuff done. And sometimes just stuff just uh, when it doesn't go my way, it makes me angry. And I'm one of those kind of things. I would strike out at things. And, and the man lesson on this is, is, is this reminds me of <clears throat> I had a deal. Um, where I was going to sell a hundred huge printers, and they were awesome. I had it all set up to take out one demo. My boss goes, hey, wouldn't you like to have the manufacturer's rep here with you? Then you can get that deal. Um, no, not really. I can do it myself. Oh, you probably ought to take him. So he goes out with me. I sold one printer. They went direct with the other 99. I did not get the commission on them. They took it. I they took it. They went right around me. I could have kicked his ass. I was furious. As a matter of fact, if I ever saw the guy again, I still would be furious because I his let's that just say let's, let's just say his name is Trey because it's Trey. Yeah. And uh and the thing about it is in life when you do those things, 
I learned two lessons. Number one, I will never deal with that guy again. Number one. But number two, I will never do that to anybody. You, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and I learned, I learned ethics both ways. The, the both way. And, and I'll never forget that. I, I, I was going to also, the other thing we get is Laban never really apologizes. I mean, in this, no. in this exchange, Jacob is, is right for the most part. He, 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 he points out every, you know, t- all the times he's been screwed over. And Laban doesn't come to this, oh, I'm sorry. It isn't, it isn't a very special episode of Jacob and Rachel. It's it's well, he, he it's splitting he of a partnership though. He yes, he doesn't ignite, and so so but my my point being is you can't always expect people to apologize to you who have wronged you. Yep. You're just sometimes going to have to accept the fact that you're just not going to you're you're no longer going to be at others each other's throats and I'm you're not going to you're just I'm I'm going to let it go. And that, that's what I sense happening here. A, 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 kind a detente, of, a detente. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not going to get, you're not going to get along. And, mm-hmm. but, and that's exactly the way I felt with that guy. And, and they, they set up the stones at Galid. Okay. I'm not going to attack you. You don't attack me. You know, we agreed to peaceably part. And that's pretty much the way I, I kind of agreed with the, with this Trey dude. You know, he was all excited about the deal. Hey, did you know we got the deal? No, I got one. You 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 stole the rest of mine, you know. And but then after that, I never I had this detente with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that's wise. I mean, you don't have to like everybody. I you know you there, don't. There are men and 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 some ladies too. I'm going to tell you this, folks out there. Listen, uh, my father never apologized. There are some men coming through World War II, and I have a brother that's similar to my dad. He doesn't apologize when he insults me. Now, he'll get real nice, everything. Oh, I'll buy you a hamburger. I'll buy you this, or I'll buy you a beer. I'll buy you this or something. They'll get real nice. There are people out there who have a character at which they don't like to say, I'm sorry, period. And my ex-wife didn't like to say, I'm sorry. Especially if she'd hurt the children. Say, say, I'm sorry. And she, it was the hardest thing to get to do that. So there's a type of character, folks, out there that does not like to say, I'm sorry, no matter what. So if you have not experienced them, I'm telling you ahead of time, you will one day. You'll, you'll run into somebody that just does not like to say, I'm sorry. Honestly, that's kind of like old school. Yes. You, you know it what is. I'm saying? Because, yes. it, it, because it here's the, the flip side of that, what I run into, my children say, I'm sorry, and don't mean it. Right. Whereas the other people, if they said, if an old school veteran, one of those people, when they said, I'm sorry, they probably cried before they said it. Whereas other people will throw it as if it's a, if it's a generic bandage. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, I'm sorry. If I hurt you, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. If, if I you know, hurt you, they don't. Yeah, they don't ask for permission, but they'll just say I'm sorry on the back end. You know, yeah, you know yeah, that kind yeah, of that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. As we come down to the end of this particular podcast, I want to go around the room and uh, get some final thoughts and takeaways from the fellows here, Professor Koshu. 
What would you like to add? You want to go get him? Well, no. I'll tell you what. <laughs> they don't call him. They don't call him the professor for nothing. <laughs> Michael Cropper. Yeah, yeah. folks. Um, practical advice and, and thoughts that come out of my mind. Where there are two people who spend time together, you're going to have a relationship. It may be through work. It may be through hobbies. It may through, be through marriage. It may be through our children, uh, games with our children. Uh, some of these relationships will be pleasant and they will be easy to keep. Others may take more effort to work through differences for success. Uh, Laban relationships, and Laban's a key word here, Still others may never work, no matter what you do. Steve alluded to this just a moment ago. He made a comment. You rub each other the wrong way, and no matter how, how hard you try, you cannot resolve the differences. And in that case, it's better to separate. But now, the author makes a comment to this, and I'm going to go a little bit further from a paragraph from the end of uh, our section that we've been covering. He says, in what was possibly the greatest understatement of his ministry, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. John 13, 33, the NIV. Trouble with Laban, trouble with Laban's sons, trouble with Laban's uncles, third's cousins, his stepfather's grandchild. On and on it goes. We're going to have trouble, and most of that trouble will be due to relationships with others. Now take heart, friends. We are not called to fix the world. And Steve made this comment ago, comment a while ago. We are not called to fix any and every relationship. What we can say yes, when we, pardon me, when we can, we say yes. Let us forgive. Let us pray for them. But when we can't correct a relationship, let us forgive them, pray for them, and trust that we are both covered in the mercy of the Son, who in his strange and mysterious way not only loves us all, but likes us all as well. And, and, and my last comment to that is, folks, and, and Bill alluded this, if you cannot get along, agree, or, or, or separate peaceably. And uh, I, I have supported that, but the point is, and, and Steve again alluded this, folks, if, you're, if, if you cannot get along with a, a fellow person, separate peaceably, like Laban and Jacob did. I don't know that you want to have a meal together, but go out doing something that will not be inflammatory at the end. And my comment was that if nothing else, find something to compliment them for before you part ways. All right, uh, Steve. Excellent, Steve. That's really nice. Um, and, and it's kind of, this is, this is we, we took a big chunk of this story and it's an interesting Part because it's really one of the sections of Jacob's life where he becomes rather a sympathetic character. Um, we, it's kind of, but it's also a, it's a bittersweet story because we see at the beginning when they they meet, there's hugs, there's literally hugs, kisses, uh, jolly good pats on the back. Oh, this you know you're a family member. He's welcomed in, uh, and things pretty much deteriorate from there as the characters true characters come out of Laban. Uh, a couple of observations. We, we, see, we see this whole effect of the dream, the stairway to heaven, begin to play out with Jacob. Jacob begins to mature a little bit. We, back at, at home, 
all he apparently could think about was getting his hands on Esau's legacy. We, we see in this part of his story, he actually works for something, for, for Rachel. He actually <laughs> makes an effort. He, he works for seven years uh, to, to win, to, you know, to, in order, in exchange for her hand, um, which uh, has to, we have to have it, has to have given it a shout out. Um, I think the end, again, the end of this story, what I keep, and, and we'll, we'll continue, what, what I see to wrap this up uh, as, as they part with the rising sun, um, just about every TV streaming miniseries now, when it ends a season, ends with a, a montage. I think it was really The Wire that began this, and they did it very well, and now pretty much every miniseries picks it up. And the last episode of the of the season, or the, you know, before they go on hiatus, you see this montage, and there's usually a song behind it of all where of the characters where they are. And I see this, almost can visualize this, with Laban pretty much giving his daughters his kiss goodbye and exiting from the story. But we're left with Jacob, who now, ha oh, his family has a whole history ahead of them. Um, you know, so what are they thinking? What is Rachel thinking? She's got the household gods she's sitting on. Um, we didn't talk too much about that. We've been over subjects like that. We have the sons, the sons of the various two wives, Leah and Rachel. We have Dinah, the one daughter who, who will, will, has a story in her, of herself coming up. And so I just wonder if you have this nice, I, I envision this montage of these characters all getting ready to take the next step in their lives. Excellent. And I just want to go ahead and throw in one thing. Uh, we all know the golden rule. But I think part of this is the silver rule. And that means don't do unto others as you would not have them do unto you. And I think Jacob <clears throat> is learning that in this. And thank you so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors and supporters. And on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. So please rate it, leave a review, and if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or NoChurchAnswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, shame on you. Check out our Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and at sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. If there is one, start one. This is No Church Answers. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or a review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.